Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. I've got a question for you. Do you like space? Do you like virtual reality? Do you possibly like Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> On today's podcast, I have Ryan Holmes. He is a serial entrepreneur, software engineer, designer, and founder of several startups, including Cypher, E5 Engineering, and currently is the CEO and founder of Space VR. You can join him in his Discord. His link is inside the bio down below to join that. And without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. I like I like the Dunkin' Donuts placements as we were talking about things early. Um, technically not a sponsor of the show or Ryan, uh, but you know because of the product placement, we decided to bring it up. Hey, brother, it's good to have you here, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, dude. It was uh, it was fun to connect. Yeah, was, what's crazy, man, is that like we we reconnected at we recently reconnected because we were both part of the the same um camp uh over at burning man uh just so happened to be neighbors uh in the dusty playa and we were rapping for a minute and i was like i was like oh my god we met a long time ago when i put on uh zocal vr conference and expo back in like 2015 and we were talking about space vr and all of that stuff and i was like oh my god it's it's uh Coming across like VR believers and people that have been in the space for a long time um, randomly, you know, it is like coming across an oasis in the desert. You're like, oh my God, you're here too? You know? So yeah, it was super fun. Savers. Yeah, dude. Um, I'd love to just kind of kick things off right now, just to kind of get just a little basis of uh, like you are the founder and CEO of Space VR. Um, and I know. When I was talking to you previously, you're talking about bringing, you know, uh, VR into space and stuff like that. And I'd love to learn kind of how did you get in to space VR and kind of just tell me a little bit of that journey, get into that area. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was a lot of soul searching. I was uh -huh. making a good amount of money doing software engineering in San Francisco and um, just felt sort of goalless or like sort of void of purpose and so i was looking for what sort of big thing i can do to contribute to the world and so at the time i did i, I looked around a lot and uh, i came across this book called the overview effect written by frank white i think actually i saw the documentary called overview which is mm -hmm. a really beautiful documentary about the overview effect um, that has since won tons of awards. And then there's a book where about 30, 40 different astronauts speak about experiencing the overview effect in space. And so after reading it, I thought that if the world leaders and like the executives and people that make the ultimate decisions uh, for our planet were to experience this experience, then we would live in a much more positive world. Um, mm -hmm. And so I set out to recreate that for the masses. And yeah, so we started from there. Uh, we started with uh, what I perceived to be an easy goal, which is to put a small camera on the International Space Station 
And so we did a Kickstarter around that. And then the first Kickstarter failed. And then we did a second Kickstarter. Um, and then that was successful. And then, um, and then we set out to do it. Um, but then we realized working with NASA was um, quite an interesting challenge. And so we decided to do our own satellite. And so we raised, um, I think to date, raised out 2.5 million in total. And so we put that towards building the satellite, which we now have paid to launch on SpaceX. And um, yeah, the satellite's about 80% built. And so working on getting this extremely high res, like world-class content from orbit. And uh, yeah. So it's, that's crazy. I, I have a, several questions, but let's start off first. You did two Kickstarters, one yeah. unsuccessful and one successful. Sometimes people are like, oh man, if only I had a Kickstarter, all my problems would be solved. And, and then it's easy. Just put it out there and a bunch of people give me money. It's awesome. Um, uh, you talked to me about what was the lessons learned from the first Kickstarter that was unsuccessful that helped make the second Kickstarter successful? Huh. Well, let's see. I guess just do pre-marketing. That's really a big thing. And it's kind of a hard thing to do for people who've never done it before. Like, I think if you ask anyone what is pre-marketing, they probably don't really have a great answer for that. Um, but it's kind of funny because our first Kickstarter essentially became the pre-marketing for our second Kickstarter. So it was just like, um, I think we set our initial goal at 500K and we got like 70K and the first one. And then we just lowered the goal to 100. And um, then all those people from the 70K came over. And then of course it was much easier to get past 100. So I guess... Mm -hmm. If you have a problem with Kickstarter, just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a test run, everybody. I just wanted to say, okay, and you get that interest. And you go, okay, we're looking for a million dollars, and then you raise, and then you raise a hundred thousand, and then you do a second one, but not a not a million, like a hundred and fifty. You go, guys, look, we're already two thirds of the way there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a good move, man. The, what? Yeah, pre marketing. You talk about the pre marketing through that. Is there one medium or one thing that you saw that was super effective to really move that needle? Uh, to me, marketing is still a very uh, interesting animal. But what I've seen other people do is you really just talk to thousands and thousands of people and you sort of find out if they're really interested in it. Or you really just find the people that are really interested in what you want and then you get their emails Essentially, you just you're pre-selling like thousands of people. Um, How did you do that? Did you? I mean, did you go digitally door to door and knock the on the door? Thing, I didn't. I didn't. And so our first Kickstarter was our pre-marketing. But wow. other people I've seen have really just taken it very personally, and literally everywhere they go, they just talk to everyone about it and get their email if they are if they're really into it. And, and so I've seen people do it just everywhere like at whole foods you're like getting your groceries talking to someone next to you and like oh you like this what's your email like building a list in your in your phone notes mm. did you uh did you eventually find that specific group of people that really resonated yeah. message like whoa if they have a vr headset and they also love me with rossi tyson like, well i'm getting some like <laughs> 
at the time we didn't find this like one core group of people that were perfectly aligned with both because i mean thinking back it was so early right it was so so early um and it's still early today like i think we started this in 2015 it was like six seven years ago it's still early now so it was like hyper early then and so i don't even think I mean, most people didn't even have a VR headset or um, have any clue. You're just talking, essentially, what's nice is that people that like space are just tend to, to already be technology people. Mm. So, so this, the, this overlaps well. So then it sounds like there's a crossover that also the other thing is I know you have notifications going on your computer when it dings, it dings across the whole system. So if you want to, if you want to, yeah, it's all good, dude. If you want to, if you want to close that off, otherwise uh, uh, people might start throwing stones at me digitally. So uh, if you want to fix that, that would be great. That'd be great. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, so, so with the marketing side of things, and you said this, it was hard for hard to find those ideas. So you're right. Back in the day, in like 2015, when you were getting up and running, I mean, that's when I, was, you know, I, that's when I was throwing my conference back in the day, and it was super, super early. Like for 2015, that's like seven years ago. Like back in the day, you know, yeah. it was like it was. I mean, they didn't have $300 headsets that people could have and and use and put on and, and go into. I mean, nowadays it's so much more bigger. Have you have you felt more people resonate with your message now with what you're trying to do? Um, and is it still the same message with putting a thing in space or has your model and your business and your message changed uh from trying to uh now because now you're building your own satellite elon musk style yeah yeah so it, there's definitely been a lot more users of virtual reality lately and what i've noticed that's particularly interesting is there's been a lot of people i've seen that are daily vr users mm -hmm which is foreign even to me as a VR executive um, to think about someone putting a headset on every single day. Um, and I've met two people sort of in random and they were by most means normal people. They weren't like, they, there was no sort of like, like, like random attributes and like, far direction there's a sort of like average and Oof. they use vr every day got it your, your your alarms are keep going off again by the way if you guys want to get that for me that would be that'd be fantastic i know it's it's it, it's yeah i'm sure you kind of got that like desensitization to the audio sounds that are coming in through the system but it, it comes through it's it's a loud being on our on our side so okay um which is interesting because i think they might get the i don't know if you experienced this right you have vr is amazing and you try it and then over time you kind of get jaded by the experience right you kind of get used to it right and then something else more amazing comes out like you know before there was the pc vr and then there was the gear vr and then you're like eh. and then the quest vr and then eh. and then like we get through it so you're talking about these daily active users like do you do you still get your mind blown with any of the new technology coming out or is there anything that really excites you about the tech that currently is out there to get you new release of the next Oculus is very interesting to see the resolution jump. Mm. Um, personally, I've theorized that if the resolution of the Oculus is greater than your laptop screen 
or your experience of it sitting in front of you, then people will naturally switch from their laptop to just having a VR headset. Mm. Um, I think that might be the biggest thing, especially people that love to have lots of screens. Um, there's definitely this whole category of people that love to have five screens. I think at least 10% of them are stock traders in New York City. <laughs> yeah, man. The, the resolution inside of VR is right now it's almost good enough to be able to have your screen on. Um, there's one of the one of the apps I use is like workrooms for Horizons workrooms. You have your computer inside of there and, you're, and you can type away on it and you can look at things and you can have typical meetings where we're having conversations, but you're, but you're secretly actually on your computer just looking around and clicking on things while you're supposed to be in a meeting paying attention. Um, and so I really, I really enjoy that uh, inside of there because I can have a meeting with people, but still have access to my my computer, which does feel pretty good um, to be able to get in there. It's, I would love to have the resolution be a little bit better because I couldn't imagine trying to program um, inside VR with the current resolution yeah. as is. Yeah, it's like instant headache. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the new ones are coming out are going to be supposed to be better. And I think that Pico. Do you have any feelings on that Pico three four that's coming out right now? You know, I think I vaguely saw something on this. There's, is it a, um, I have to look it up. It's like the, it's like the quest. Okay. Uh, something different. It's, it's the Pico is owned by ByteDance who owns TikTok and they have their Pico four, which is competing with the quest three or something mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Um, and another one that's that they're just coming out with right now that's supposed to have like supposed to have like better resolution. I didn't, see this. I didn't look in the details of it. Mm -hmm. Pico's sort of been ahead of Oculus for a while now, right? Like they had the 4K. Yeah, they have like there's some things like they're yeah, they have some better technology, like better like hardware, better resolutions, but they don't have like all of the games, all of the 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 marketplace, the and not all the great features like the awesome hand tracking and all that other stuff. So, um, but it is exciting. Um, so right now you're talking about you, you, you got up and you're, you are actually building a satellite right now. Are you like commissioning people to build satellites to get it, to get the, you can't just do like the, Red Bull style, where you just take a really big balloon and you put your camera on it and you just let it go up in the space and you're like, good luck. It's not, a, not not actually a way to. I feel like this is a good time to mention a conversation I had with a flat earther. <laughs> I asked them, I asked them, like, what about satellites? Like, what are satellites if we live on flat earth? And their excuse here is they call them satelloons. Like, all satellites are satellite balloons. <laughs> And so I need a refund back from SpaceX so that uh, if they're just doing this balloon thing. That's a heck of a margin. But orbit is 300 miles up, right? Yeah. And so if you go in a balloon, it's like 70,000 feet. And oh, that's the difference between 300 miles. Um, so there's a dramatic view difference. And honestly, the stuff with the balloon is just not exciting. It's really yeah. just not exciting. Um, I have seen a lot of videos from a Gulfstream pilot room. Um, that's pretty cool, actually. The things that those Gulfstream pilots see are very stunning. 
but they're moving a lot faster than a balloon. So a balloon is like really slow, really high up and then down. When you're going like 900 miles per hour, there's a lot more to see. I, I, I bet that's incredible. So is the, uh, the you're, you're building this out to give the overworld effect to people overview 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 effect which is that you're floating up from space you can kind of see humanity as a whole that we're all in this big pale blue dot um have you had a moment um in time for yourself where you experienced something like that or is there uh, whether it's through space or another means that kind of gave you that that uh overview effect it's like Wednesday at Burning Man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Go on. I've experienced the overview effect in many different ways in my life, especially chasing the creation of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely experience it every time I experience our experience. And so one thing that I'm really proud of is that in our VR experience that's on Oculus right now, you can experience the overview effect. And if you really consider how profound that is, the only other way for anyone to experience it is $50 million payment to SpaceX to go to orbit. So there's like two paths. And this one's $10. And this one's $50 million. So there's like, it's kind of profound that we've been able to recreate this, this experience already using existing NASA content. Um, mm. and, it, and for me, it hits all the time. And, I, and I'm sometimes I'm curious if it hit, if it, if it's good enough. Mm. And so actually at Burning Man, I had, a, I had an interesting journey around this. I had my Oculus in my backpack and I didn't tell anyone that I had it. It was just like, it was just like a secret and I was just going to show it to someone randomly. So I was at center camp, just relaxing, chilling. I think we had like a, an icy or something with friends and um, all of a sudden this woman sits next to me and she has a cowboy hat on with an earth on it. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I wonder what this is about. And so I just have a chat with her. She studied environmental sciences in school and she was an environmental scientist and was like really pro earth and uh, make sure we don't destroy the earth. And so I asked her if she would be interested in orbiting the earth. And, and she's like, sure. Yeah, of course. So I take out the Oculus and I, she lays down on this um, bench that we're sitting on and she just tries the experience and she gets up afterwards and she said that she cried twice during the experience and that it was one of the most profound experiences she's ever had in her life so when it when it meets the right person especially someone that's already leaning towards that Uh that sort of stuff and is open to it um it can be extremely extremely profound that's that's powerful man um yeah i mean when you can do that you can i mean especially Burning Man, you go to places to kind of get that move to get that effect to 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 get them that will rattle your bones a bit. Um, you talked about you, so this is something that's accessible that you can get on the App Store. Is it's on it's on App Lab? Is that what you're saying right now? It's on the Oculus Store. Yeah. yeah. So then they can they can go and do it and they can get that overview effect. And is it something that is a is it is it a, a guided experience that they can go through when they so they put on the they put on the VR headset they download it on Oculus through through App Lab, mm-hmm. um, they they can go and purchase it on there. 
is there anything is there anything about it that is there a, a follow-up after that or do you guys chat about it in discord at all or what does that what does that look like in terms of continuation of the experience um for now it's rather simple just try the first experience and then as we launch the satellite and get more content we'll update it for all of our experiencers so they can all experience more it more vividly and is there a thing that you you combine it together with like float tanks and stuff like that as well at all yeah so we we had done this at about 25 locations across uh -huh. the world yeah. Um, but recently I pulled it because it was just very, very, very hard. It was like one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do. Um, essentially, it came to the point where I personally had to build my own VR headset in Shenzhen. Mm -hmm. So basically taking on Meta's job of building a VR headset, but also making it waterproof, heatproof, and, and saltproof. So it was like... It was just way too much to take on. And so recently, um, we pulled out of that. Although we did have a headset that functioned across all these locations at, at one point. But to scale it, we would have to manufacture our own headset. And that's just too much. Yeah, we, you don't want anything to deal with that. It, the, the software business is way better than the hardware business to, to be in. So I couldn't imagine trying to make a, a headset like that. Um, yeah, the no thing. thing that we did. How did you make it? Like, like, did you like prototype? Did you pull? Did you mix chemicals in your in your in your garage and then like pour it into a, like a testing like, different things constantly? And there's so many levels to it because not only do you have to make a great VR headset, you have to make a great experience for someone, right? And that and the experience starts when you walk in the door. It's not when you put on the VR headset. And so you're architecting a lot more than just the headset. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we did. We did it. Pretty fascinating, <laughs> but it was, it was hard to scale it. How is, I think some people that like get into entrepreneurship, they get into virtuality, they get into these spaces. Um, they, they sometimes think that like, like entrepreneurship is a straight line. So what's going to happen? I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this. And this is what the thing is going to be. But entrepreneurship is kind of a winding road, you know, that kind of zigs and zags and, brings you into different places and you try to, you know, build your own headset from the ground up that's salt proof and waterproof. And then you kind of zag in the direction. Like, I don't really want a piece of that. And uh, let me ask you a question in terms of making decisions as an entrepreneur, right? There's kind of like going with your vision and then getting feedback from life and people and the environment and how things are going. Like, how have you, how is the, the, how has your journey been right with making those types of decisions as an entrepreneur? kind of going in and calling your vision, taking feedback from the community. Can you talk to me about a couple of like of the, the zigzags that you've done and how you've been able to make decisions on how to, how to navigate the course? Yeah, there's all kinds of variables um, that you, that are changing at all times. Like, for instance, back in the day, the actual usage of Oculus was very low. And so it, it's hard to move because you have to move in the right direction and accurately predict the future. Mm -hmm. um, in our experience, let's see. Um, as a startup, you have to fundraise to survive. Mm -hmm. And so when you're fundraising, when we were initially fundraising, um, there was like this mega, 
VR hype wave that was like over the top and global and like unprecedented, like a tidal wave of investment. And so we raised in this massive wave. And then when it, when none of like 95% of these VR companies could not make it, it was like the exact opposite. It was like a negative tidal wave. So if you can imagine um, like raising in these environments, um, it's like raising in the easiest environment ever and then raising in the absolute worst environment ever. And so um, it's kind of interesting just seeing what, because you have all these different types of investors. You have some investors that are like long-term certain things and then no matter what the market is. And then I would say most investors are trend following investors. And so they're like, whatever is in whatever's being hyped the absolute hardest in the current news cycle is like what they're what's in their brain what they're talking about and what they're investing in and what's interesting and what i've seen is actually entrepreneurs actually control the press cycle and then how that reflects in investor interests like they would just do their own pr campaigns and then how people just follow that like oh this is popular now and it's only mm. popular because you made it popular. Mm. And so I would say navigating that has been very fascinating. So you raised, did you raise investment money and then you raised crowdfunding money? Is that what that was like? Yeah. So we did crowdfunding first, then we raised VC and then mostly angels, like larger angels. Mm. How, how much did you raise? It's about 2.5 million today. Got it, got it. Oh, and that's so it's total with both crowdfunding and investor funding. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, Kickstarter is not really investment money, so it's like pre-revenue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because there's there's uh, obligations. There's, there's individual like there's investor, traditional investors, or angel investors, right? Then you have crowdfunding for product, and then you have crowdfunding for like equity stake kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That that that's like the new one that's starting to come out along that path. Um, how have you, if you, what advice would you give to people that are looking to get into VR, right? Like, let's so say there's a, a young virtual reality executive out there that wants to get started and maybe they graduated from college recently and they didn't have to go through the initial phases like we did. What advice would you give to them as they're getting started? I would just say, do, do the easiest possible thing you can imagine that software, get it on the store as soon as possible and get subscribers as soon as possible. When you're talking about subscribers, are you talking about subscribers to the application, subscribers to the podcast? <laughs> subscribers to the app this alleged college kid will be making. Oh, so you said subscribers means like they have, they've downloaded the app and then they, they've subscribed to the updates or you mean users of the, so when you say subscribers, you're talking about users of the app. Yeah, people that subscribe to use the app, correct. Mm, got it got it got it yeah that's it and that's the thing is that you're talking about trying to get that getting the app up and running i think a lot of people feel like um i've noticed this this phase of people that go through is like oh i want to i want to start my own like to say vr business right and then they're like oh if, if only i built the app and then you build the app you're like oh now i need to get people to come to it and then you're like oh now i need to get people to pay me money for it Oh, now I got to get people to keep paying me money for it. And there's that, that cycle of challenges that people face mm -hmm. now that like, if only I had this one 
if only I raised investment. But as you know, as someone who raises investment, once you raise that investment, now you got to perform and you're like, oh, okay. And you got to mm-hmm. keep going down that, down that path. Have, have you, mm-hmm. have you seen anything like in terms of the, in the VR uh, uh, space in terms of like really, um, well, I won't call it hot and trendy, but uh, any types of waves or, or, or things in types of the, the virtual application space that you think is really hot or things that you think is, is something that's easy to monetize? Well, those are very different things. Okay. So that's both hot and then secondarily easy to monetize. Um, right now it's hot, but cooling off is like a metaverse and web three. Mm-hmm which being in enough Silicon Valley hype cycles, I feel like my filter for bullshit is like getting getting like much better. Like, like I'm getting like an expert level of Silicon Valley bullshit filter. And so it's interesting to see um, these web three and metaverse technologies, right? And to look at the most successful ones, um, like I guess Sandbox or, um, What's the other one? Yeah, anyway, there is like 300 million from Anderson Horowitz or something crazy. And then they build out this thing and you're just like watching it fail every day. You're like watching, you're like, this isn't making any money, nor will it. it it's interesting these bets that people play. So those two words are, those two words are very hot, but it's, um, Perhaps I'll transfer over to your second part, something that's easy to monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, on this side, it, you have to really see what people pay for in the metaverse. Like where is the most money being made? I think the most money I've ever seen be made is in that, um, what is it, the work, the app that you like work in? It's like a work simulator. Job, Job simulator? simulator? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they make like fifty million dollars, some like crazy I mean, they made a lot. Of, yeah, Alchemy Labs, like they've they've done it really well. They had job simulation, uh, job simulator, vacation simulator, uh, Rick and Morty. Um, mm-hmm. All those ones are based by the same dudes that crush, mm-hmm. crush making those games. They do really, really well. Mm-hmm. They're fun. They're really fun. Who thought going to doing work stuff would be fun? <laughs> it's really interesting. I mean, that's a really fun because it's like super like where do people actually spend money, not where you think they spend money. Yeah. Um, do you when you talk about because you're talking about the the hot of the the crypto web three craze and all that stuff? Are you mm-hmm. someone that that like what's your feelings on the whole crypto movement and the and the web three movement and and is there is there that is there a way to that see value inside of that kind of space because i know it's like there is a lot of bullshit that goes on in there a lot of things that happen is there anything that you've seen in that there's actual value well i guess actual value is subjective to the individual right um beyond making money off of crypto in the crypto stock going up where if I put in $10 and it's worth 10 and then it's worth 20 and I pull it out and I make money, that is one type of value. But I mean, an actual utilitarian value mm-hmm. of like, you know, I can, I can use virtual reality 
uh, to go and hang out with my friends and have fun and play games together. You know, there's a utilitarian value or, you know, whatever the thing might be. Right. Is there anything that besides, besides the actual stock going up and me making money off of that one thing? Have, have you seen a real good use case for the injection of Web3 or crypto into virtual rowdy metaverse stuff? The only thing I can say is that really, really, really beautiful art is coming out. Um, and and as a fan of art, someone that goes to Art Basel, Burning Man, all these events, art events around the world almost every year, the, um, the level of art quality that's happening from this is a very, very high. And it's actually one of the reasons I think that the metaverse will be viable because the level of art is so so much higher than any art you can ever buy in real life and you can ever go to the nicest art galleries in the world and purchase is existing in the metaverse mm. and so i think when you're i i think everyone in the world is a fan of beauty of, of beautiful things and when things in the metaverse are 10 times more beautiful than things in the actual world um that's a real that creates a real gravitational pull that creates like real gravity into this world um, are you saying that the is that um are you saying that the art is more beautiful because it's it's monetizable um and and the crypto like people can can make art and artists actually can pro produce art that they own and can be distributed and so they put more effort and time into it are you saying that art is more beautiful in the metaverse because it's a virtual reality environment that allows you to see beauty in a way that you couldn't see inside of a virtual reality space or is there, is there a different angle you're, you're representing no what i'm saying is that one-to-one -one, if if i took the best artist in the metaverse and the best artists on earth for physical art and i put them next to each other the metaverse artist is going to destroy the physical earth artists by like at least 5x because the tools and like that that they're using are getting so so advanced and it's also coupled with what's coming down now, but what at one point the NFT craze is going nuts, right? Like people selling something for 70 million and all these people start selling art, just anything they make for $2,000 a pop. Um, that's game changing. And, and we have to think about that in terms of artists globally, right? Cause $2,000 in the U S isn't that game changing. But if you think about someone in like South an artist in South America or an artist on the in Ukraine right now, or like an artist in like North Siberia or like the suburbs of China, $2,000 is like their whole salary for a year. And that one piece of art, this that one person in like the suburbs of China with access to like a good computer can make this like incredibly, incredibly beautiful thing. Um, mm. So it's about a combination of you can access a larger community, right? And you also have these tools that you can't really do in real life, uh, or physical life, we'll call it, not technically real life. Uh, 
because you can create like tilt brush style 3d rendered environments that are just absolutely just um a deeper experience right and so um and you're right there's an economic opportunity is that one of the jobs you one of the things you're talking about the beauty right is is um that's like one job of the metaverse right is amazing artistry that will blow people's minds right and someone's in there and they're creating these 3d worlds and things like that um that is absolutely a, a valuable ad as we know as we know like Bernie man and being a part of that being yeah, surrounded that. Thinking about one of the art pieces was android jones piece in the metaverse mm, dude yeah that guy is incredible have you seen his piece in the metaverse um i saw it i think i saw a virtual installation um a couple of years ago but i don't i don't remember the exact thing it was something about rhythmic sounds but i, I can't remember what it was it was it was a couple of years ago so I don't know if it is. It, where is it at? How do you find it? I'm gonna have to refind it. I was with some. I was with someone in the metaverse, mm. and we were just exploring. And an Android Jones um, experience came up. I was like, "Oh, let's check it out." And I didn't really think it was going to be, you know, anything special. And so you go in, and it was a dome. And so you you actually walk into this this spherical dome and then you look up and it's his whole dome experience happening and it was it was amazing like it was really beautiful it was very very beautiful i think i think this is it microdose vr microdose vr i think is the name is android jones uh thing and i think i know so I, I, I might have been a chance to check that out at there's a thing called like the wonder dome or something like that here in la Wisdom, wisdom. That's what it was. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. But yeah. it was in VR, though. There wasn't a real dome. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So you can see it's a dome. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, that was really beautiful. I, uh, it's funny because I saw a, a, a conversation um i saw a conversation between android jones and jason silva um mm -hmm. and they were talking which would, to me was really really it was really interesting here's why here's why it was really interesting right i was watching them go back and forth and the difference between somebody who's experienced um this deep sense of being connected to whatever you want to call through microdoses and everything else versus someone else who is a consumer of knowledge of other people's is that Android Jones has gone into the deep end of the universe of the cosmos of the microdosing of everything and has came back and brought this beauty and expresses the beauty through what he's personally experienced and then he puts that onto art, right? Jason Silva consumes a whole bunch of books of what other people have done and then weaves that together, right? And so you have one person who is like a, a, a you know a lightning rod communication well another like one guy is the light well another guy is a mirror and a reflection of the light and he could we could see like jason silva trying to understand android jones going okay he's like trying to wrap his head around him like trying to like process it and, and you can mm -hmm. see like android jones is like this just beacon of expression mm -hmm. of just beauty of just creativity and it was really fun to watch them try to 
understand each 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 other's worlds back and forth. But you know, they both have beauty, but they both represent it in different ways. So I that, that. yeah, it was, it was a, a passing moment while I was I was I was at the burn. I was just like I saw them. I was just like. Oh, like, this is in person. You saw the in person thing. I wish it was. I wish it. There may be have another thing, but it was an in person thing that I got to. I got to. I got to witness. And I, I would just, underestimate I was, Jason Silva's um, other, <laughs> other dimensional experiences. He's traveled, but you notice that when he communicates, he's like a. He's like he's a poet that weaves in words of an experience of. of he's like this book and that book and this book and this thing. He kind of he does it that way. He does. I'm sure he's traveled there but like he he like represents other people's materials while i feel i don't know andrew jones has more of a connection to the source but you're right uh jason silva probably has um maybe like in my bed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well uh uh in in terms of uh these types of experiences i mean have you ever have you ever had a chance to try uh, any of these uh, uh, extracurricular activities and experiences? Have you have you gone to the other side? Of course, but not as far as um, a lot of people have gone. Um, I've never had the experience where people say they just fully break through into this other dimension. Mm. Um, but I've gotten pretty close to that place. Mm. Have you had the breakthrough experience? Uh, I've gone, yeah, I've gone pretty far down the the rabbit hole of that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've I've had ones where I felt like, you know, there's points where I've done like plant medicine, mm -hmm. and I, I took so much of it that I felt like my brain was gonna break. I felt like if I could think it, it would happen in real life. And I was like looking at a guy, I was like, he's gonna talk to me right now, and he didn't say anything. I go, okay, cool. I can't control reality with my brain. Okay, uh, check. Roger that. Um, but one of my favorite things to do is is taking like psilocybin or something and going yeah. inside VR and like doing like a painting experience. And because I call it reality stacking. So you're mm -hmm. you're inside one reality, inside another reality, and then it gets it gets quite uh, you, uh what do you find anyway, brought to you by Duncan? <laughs> <laughs> what do you find that psilocybin does with a VR experience? I'm very curious about that. Well, you, I mean, you already have the visual display. So one, I mean, as you know, if you take psilocybin, if you take low dose of psilocybin, you know, it widens your pupils, you actually have better vision, right? You can see more, right? It opens it up. You can actually take wow. in more data. So like back in the day, hunters used to do it. And when you take just a little bit of it and you can see, that's why when you see tracers and you see other things, you can actually <laughs> see a bit better because, you know, uh, I believe it opens up your irises and you can take in more light and that kind of stuff. And wow. so you can actually protect more stuff. So that's why colors seem brighter. Things seem like more. So when you do that and you, you take that inside of you, that's one is the visual effects of it. Um, and then two is the psychological, emotional effects that they have on you. I mean, as you know, as we've been talking about this, beauty can have an effect on your soul, right? So if you see something beautiful, you can have what's called that, like an awe effect, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I call it like awe to aha, right? You like, and so you have that, like, and I think, and you, you're, you, as you're a, a, an engineer, um, this is one of my theories, is that like awe is like a rendering effect um, on your own eyes, right? So like when you see so much beauty, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when a computer renders and it's trying to process visual things on a screen, that yeah. throttles, 
that the GPU or CPU inside yeah. there. So it's trying, to, it's trying to render all that on the screen because it's like you know you turn take World of Warcraft. dense. Uh-huh. It's just too much, right? So yeah. then when you see so much beauty and your brain, and you look up at it like the night sky and there's all those lights or the colors at Burning Man or the, the all the or the the overview effect, your your brain goes, uh <laughs> it's because you're taking in all that beauty. And then that's when you have that say what? Stack overload. Stack overload, right? So one of the benefits of doing that, uh, like if you're doing psilocybin plus that, is that mm-hmm. you're 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 overloading your senses and that mm-hmm. gives you that sense of awe which can turn into a revelation, which in terms of if we want to have that effect of change, right? It's about mm-hmm. information plus emotional intensity creates retention. And so if I say, you know, be your best self right now, it doesn't really have an impact on you. But if you're like, your mind's blown at all the beauty and you realize the importance of life is to just be your best self, right? It hits you at a different place, which has a deeper impact, impact on you. So what are the benefits of it is that's my personal belief is that if you're stacking those realities and you're doing it with an intentional mindset and you having that kind of effect on you, then it's something that you can take with you as an experience into this reality. Same way at Burning Man, you grab that beauty and you bring it with you into real life. You know, can we do our next video where you do our experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I'd love to try it, man. That'd be super fun. That'd be a little try. Let's do that. And you could maybe we do like a live cast while you're doing it. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll do that. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get a VR headset. I'll put it on like this, right? You can walk me through it on here, and then we could always like do like a, a Chromecast or some sort of thing where we're we're streaming it onto there or something. Oh um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. But that I mean, but I mean to the point of what you're talking about. Why I was really excited about it, you're talking about this this overview effect is that that effect of that beauty that it hits you with. Mm-hmm. It's you know it can change you, right? And I think some people discount, you know, mm-hmm. these experiences because they're whatever, they're on a, a VR or, or they're psychedelics or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but. No, I mean, if our experience can make a normal person under normal conditions cry mm-hmm. twice, then it's it's would be interesting to see with, uh, with some sort of, Additive. <laughs> Additive experience. You know, you can always you can always step into. I, I'm. Am I sensing a business zig and zag? You're like, hey, I know we're doing it with with uh, 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 um, float tanks. What if we introduce this as well as a as a therapeutic benefit? Because um, it's it's totally legal, right? In the U.S., everyone can take mushrooms, right? Uh, depends on where you are. Um, I think Oakland it's completely legal. Um, I think in um, uh, I think uh, Oregon it's legal. Um, there's a couple other places where there's, a, there's places where it's legal, you know. Um, uh, so there it it can be is just the, it just depends. Like like with anything, you know, it's always this taboo fringe area. Then it becomes widely available. Then you know. Well, I think we have to test it. So are you open to testing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm open. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'll take a little road trip over to uh, Oakland, right? And I'll. I'll be. I'll be streamcasting from there. That's I'll have great. a little sign behind me that says "Welcome to Oakland" behind me in the digital back. <laughs> I have to check the legality as well, because I wonder how they determine as from like some a semi-legal family. I wonder how they determine your like. Do you have to have an Oakland address to for you to be someone that? is under oakland law or do you just have to be there physically 
I think it should just be there physically, although it'd be hilarious because I could imagine how many business licenses would have an Oakland business license immediately if you're like operating in Texas or something with an Oakland business license, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's ways around it. I mean, if you look at like Lyft or, or uh, Uber, the way that Uber happened, right? Like, because the whole model of some random stranger who's not licensed picking you up in their car and driving you a place that actually didn't happen that that happened um it was very hard to get around but originally that was used to actually pick up people um of a certain group and be able to get them home safely from from like late nights at being at bars right so originally that was just a service and then they figured out like a, a way to kind of get in and then they exploited the way that that worked i think that was for the lgbq community um, in San Francisco or something where they actually were trying to find ways to get them home safely. And then you make a call and then they come pick you up and that kind of stuff as a, as a ride service. So you're saying um, we, we file our company in Oakland, California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> new, new business, everybody. Um, but it is a beautiful thing, man. Like what you're talking about right there is of one of the great things about being in the VR space is the first time you give somebody a mind blowing experience and they're inside of it, and they try it out and they like, and you know, they've never tried out VR before and they put that headset on and then their mind's blown at what's possible. And then they come out of it and they're like, oh my God, you know, that feel if to me, it's one of those, one of my favorite things about giving, you know, certain demos to people is that they take it off and they're like, wow. Like it's, it, it's a, it's like a, probably the same way parents feel about kids going to Disneyland for the first time and then going with them or something, you know, it's that same type yeah. of you know that the shared joy experience it is sort of just like real wizardry because i mean you can imagine someone is just in a normal environment and they they're probably not even fathoming the possibility that in the next moment they'll be orbiting the earth <laughs> you just rip them into the reality and you're like, like and they put yeah do you do you um with the with the experience that you have right is it something that like um do you stack it with music or is it like that or like yeah 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 so we we gather these this imagery from NASA and it's in this like very deep archive that most people probably don't know about and we got all these images and it took about two years to do all the post processing. And the team that we work with is really incredible, subtractive in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And the things that they did to the footage, I didn't even know it's possible. And so they kept doing all these things, all these different movie magic tools, but there's only so much you can do to imagery to make it super high resolution. And that's why it's super important for us to get the satellite in space, because then if you just record at the right thing and, and it's just dramatically higher resolution and better. Mm -hmm. um, but our current experience, it took, it took two years of going back and forth and constantly processing, constantly processing. And I think at one point it was, we did it like frame by frame. So it's like a painting. It's like Picasso painting one painting by hand and then having to do another painting, like frame by frame. And frames in VR are bigger than a normal screen. It's like almost four times as big. So a lot, a lot of work. And, um, to make it where it's at. Wow. No, I'd, I'd love to try it. Uh, what, and we can, we can definitely schedule something to, to, to do it. The right now with the, 
the space VR and what you're doing with these with these experiences. What's your what I call holy grail? Like what's your flag in the sand you hope to achieve by by uh, creating space VR and these experiences? You know, do you have some sort of like like holy grail mission to achieve that if you did it, it would all make it worth it? Um, I think two parts of this. One is um, getting on the Oculus Store and then just having some really, really successful marketing campaign where like at least a million people try it. Um, I would mark that as a success. Um, but also having extremely, extremely powerful people do it, like the president of China or like Putin or like president of America, like these kind of people that are... Um, I guess like the real decision makers of certain things. Um, I think that would be, that's a, that's an important milestone as well. Yeah. Get like Neil deGrasse Tyson, someone like that inside of there. Talk about it. He make yeah. comments on how your how it doesn't currently align with the astral, yes. you know, <laughs> the, the, or what you, the procession of the equinox or whatever that is, you know, it's like, ah, I see it clearly. This is Thursday, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do like two videos. One is like all the things he saw wrong, and then the second one is like all the positives. But you do know that that, that the one he sees wrong would be I get a whole bunch of marketing people to watch it. You know, like that would get a lot more fire. You know, people are like what? Just what? like criticizing it for like an hour yeah. straight. How, how Neil Scrossy Tyson destroyed two years of my work with one sentence. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I mean, for you, like. I mean, one, getting a million people to try it and or to get people like the president or, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, prime minister of Malaysia, whatever it might be inside of there to try it out. Uh, what is what is like the dragon? Like, what's the thing that's so difficult for you to overcome that, you, you know, you might need to transform who you are in order to get there? Um, I'm not sure I need to be fully transformed. But our, our satellite has been very difficult to get done. I would say that's like a tiny dragon. Um, Building your own satellite's a tiny dragon? Yeah, I think um, I think there's other things. Let's see. I mean, Besides a, big, the, a big dragon Yeah. a really serious statement. I don't see any big, like, like super big dragons here. <laughs> I mean, building your own satellite to shoot in space is pretty crazy. But I, my perception of difficulty is also different than the average person's. Um, it'd probably be a dragon for a normal human being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that because you like you've gone through like lots of like trials and tribulations to kind of get to where you are, or what about that? Like a dragon for me would be like putting a live camera on the moon. That would be like a dragon. That would be like a real dragon. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> me as I get this alarm to stop going off in the background. <laughs> Oh man! I have it on Do Not Disturb, so I'm not sure. Yeah, well, they choose this. There's a button that says Notify Anyway that I see on my phone that says like 
it's like, you know, Bob's got his do not disturb on notify anyways. And I just hit the crap out of that button all the time. I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm sending it anyway. That's so fun. Oh, that's the case, man. Um, so no, I can see that. I could see that as being a, a big challenge, man. Um, what a let me ask you this is, you know, this is it's been awesome to have you on. Is there, you know, you have you have this Discord thing going on right now. Um, and you, I know you want to bring people into that. And if people go inside the inside the, the show notes right now, uh, to whether anywhere this wherever you found said podcast that you're watching right now, um, there'll be a link to the Discord, and we're also gonna have a link to his Discord in there for you if you if you want to go check out um the uh the app that you have out there right now. And I think you said they might have they might be a you, there might be an opportunity for them to check it out and not actually have to pay anything to go try it out if they go to your Discord. Yeah, Is that right, right now we're looking to get as many people as possible to try the app. So yeah. we're giving out codes for people to try it in our Discord. So just click the Discord, join, and we'll get you a code. Dope. Awesome, man. Um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you can tell them how to get a hold of you? No, I think we, we did a pretty good job. Yeah. Groovy, man. Uh, yeah, right. Absolute pleasure, brother. It's been great to have you on. Uh, it was fun rapping with you and, uh, it's fun to see you again. And it's fun to catch up with you again after, uh, the journey from the, you know, back in the day, 2015 to now to on the, on the, on the road again. And yeah, let's, uh, let's find a time to, to get me inside it and, and go blow my mind. I think it, it, it sounds like a blast brother. Yeah. I mean, let's set it up in Oakland in a few weeks here. <laughs> 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 coming in live yeah that sounds like a blast all right that sounds like a deal all okay. right brother. have a blessed and beautiful day friend i'll talk to you later okay see you right okay. yeah okay thank you for listening to the heroes of reality podcast check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes while you're there you can also take the heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast Tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.